Well, I know there are a few visitors here today, but just to let you know, this is the third of a series that we're doing today about the nature of time and what we do with the time that we have in our lives. We're using a, a, a proverb by William Blake. In seed time learn, in harvest teach, and in winter enjoy. And I found a, a picture, which is on the front of our, our service sheet, which is a, a painting of that particular proverb, in seed time learn, in harvest teach, in winter enjoy. And we've looked over the last few weeks at how precious time is, whether it's painful or whether it's enjoyable. Both are precious. That we only have a, a short while here, and it's vital that we invest in what little time that we have. And last week, we explored the need to be constantly conscious and vigilant about our lives so that our choices are life-affirming and we learn from life and therefore sow seeds that will produce a rich harvest. And today, we're looking at the idea that when those seeds come to fruition, when things happen in our lives, we should share what we've learned with others by teaching. And of course, when I suggest to you that you should be teaching, the immediate response, of course, is, you know, what's anyone got to learn from me? You know, you're just little you as we carry on in our lives. You know, what do we have to offer? And I think it's a good place to start, really, with the idea that all of our lives make a difference. The extent to which we can make a difference in a positive sense is down to the extent to which we give ourselves permission to do that. And I'm not just talking about, you know, helping old ladies across the street or, you know, volunteering at food bank and all that sort of business. All of us, each one of us is essentially a part of creation. And as such, we're, we're part of the very fabric of the cosmos. Now, that may sound a bit lofty, but actually it's true. And I've mentioned this many times before here. You know, we are the universe made conscious of itself. We are the universe conscious of itself. You know, those carbon atoms that make us up are the same carbon atoms that were in the Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago. There's no difference. They're the same atoms that were there. And in those carbon atoms spewed out by the Big Bang, within those atoms was the potentiality of consciousness. It was within those atoms, which when joined up, then became planets and rocks and lava and single-cell organisms, all of which were latent with consciousness within them. And so they manifested as plants and animals with that consciousness until they got to make you. And you really, all of us, are the true flowers of the planet. We are the planet having flowered into consciousness. And we therefore, as human beings, take consciousness to a different level. The evolution of the world is the evolution of consciousness. And we are the end result so far. We are the end result of all that. And our purpose in life, our purpose in life is to evolve to the next level of consciousness. And where will we go next? Where will evolution go? Well, I always say it definitely won't be 
an extra long thumb for texting or anything like that. You know, where evolution will go next is a recognition of that divine unity of consciousness that brought us out into being in the first place, that gave us our lives. To recognize ourselves as part of the universe conscious of itself, conscious of itself as part of a divine nature. That is the next step in the evolution of consciousness, of our becoming conscious of ourselves as part of a divine nature. And that very nature of Christ lies within each of us. And our role is to realize it. That's our role in life, is to realize that divine nature within each of us. And that is the meaning of that poem that I read last, last week by Derek Walcott. And it's on your, your service sheets. And I think it deserves re-looking at again, because it really does show us that essence that's within us all. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit there. In other words, we will recognize the divine within us that's been there all the time. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. And that stranger, of course, is the divine nature within each of us. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, and that is your true self, whom you ignored for another your false self or your ego. We're much more preoccupied with our egos or our false selves rather than our true selves. Our true self knows you by heart because they are in your heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror and sit and feast on your life. We have to come to that realization that we are part of the very fabric of the cosmos. And the very fabric of the cosmos is part of us. And that means that we are all connected. And everything we do has a bearing on everything else. We are a living, breathing part of an organic whole. And as such, what we do as we live and breathe will affect evolution. We don't know what way, but it will affect evolution. And when we think about this, often, you know, when, when you start to think about, you know, us affecting evolution, you then start to sort of have grand ideas about it. Well, I, I'm the protagonist, you know, I'm going to affect evolution. And you do see people who go off on a number, you know, when they, 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 they get that realization. But the fact of the matter is that we don't know how it's going to affect it. It's only our ego that likes to think like that. I love that story of the woman who was playing the nurse in a performance of Romeo and Juliet. And she was asked by a friend of hers what the play was about. And she said, well, there's this nurse, you see. <laughs> and we do do that about our lives. You know, we do think of ourselves as totally the center of attention. We don't know if we will be the one, as in the Matrix. Or maybe we'll just be the person that opens the door for the one. Or maybe we'll just be the mat upon whom the one wipes his or her feet. 
You know, it's not given to us to know the effect that we'll have or the role that we'll play. But suffice to say that we do have our role. And our job is to play the hand that we've been given to the best of our ability. You know, I always like to say that the game is fixed. And if you look at your hand and say, I've only got a pair of fives, it's a winning hand in your life. You know, what you do matters. Even if you think you haven't got much, what you do does matter. And if you play your hand in your life with a, you know, sincerity and with confidence, then it will have that desired effect. So going back to the beginning where I started, whoever we are, we have a role to play in the story of evolution, which is why we're here, which is why we're here. You know, I just ask you this question, why were you born? Why were you born? And it's not just an accident that you were born. Of the 20 million sperm, yes, I said that word, of the 20 million, <laughs> of the 20 million sperm that were released and raced up towards the egg, you were the one that got there. 20 million to one, and you won. It's better odds than the lottery, you know, which makes every single one of us a winner. I mean, to even be here, there had to be an amazing win in that particular moment. But more importantly, you made it. And you're here because little old you has got a role to play in life. And not to realize that, not to realize that you've got a role to play is to miss your cue. And not to take the stage. And millions of people, you know, do that. Millions of people go through their whole lives not realizing that they can make a difference. They, we, society convince themselves that they don't matter. But we do. So each of us has got something unique to teach. Absolutely unique. Each one of us. And it's an interesting word that way. I always love entomology. I always... You know, when I'm writing my messages, I always go to, you know, put the word in and put entomology diction. And it tells, tells you where the word comes from. The word teach means, comes from the old English tayet, and it means to show, to point out, to declare, to demonstrate. And it comes from, from a, a Teutonic German word, gatian, which means to announce. So to teach is to announce or to point out. And our lives have meaning. We are here to point out something in life. Each of us is here to point out something. And it doesn't matter what it is or how important or unimportant we think it is. The fact is that we do it to help to make a difference to the whole evolution of consciousness, to the whole of man, womankind, to the whole of the nature of things. And we may not all be Einstein or Mother Teresa, but who knows what's important? I always think it's interesting. You know, we, we think these people are really important. But we don't know they are. We just agree they are. In, in the scheme of things, they might not be. I love there's a, an old little story of a man who hiked all the way up a mountain in Greece, and he found these little Greek chapels. You know, these little Greek chapels have. He found a woman praying in the chapel. And looking at the woman, he realized that in that woman praying, she was upholding the whole of the universe with her prayers. He got that feeling that she was doing that. And we don't know how what we do affects things. There's a great agreement, these are the important people, but we don't know. 
who the important people are. Who knows what's important and what's not important in the scheme of things? The people we think are important may not matter in a jot in evolution. But that old lady down the road that no one ever noticed, she is doing the true work of the divine, like the oracle in the matrix. You just can't recognize them sometimes. So that's why in harvest, teach. We are all the harvest of the world. We are the harvest of the world. We are the flower of creation as it has come to be up to now. And our role as conscious human beings is to pass on to others what we've learned. That's our role, to teach, to announce, to point out. And that doesn't mean that we have to get on our soapboxes and start spouting. You know, we don't all have to become, you know, ministers and things like that. Richard Raw, Richard Raw last week quoted St. Francis of Assisi, and he said, at all times preach the gospel and use words if absolutely necessary. <laughs> Francis of Assisi, at all times preach the gospel and use words absolutely necessary. The way we live is the way we teach others. The way we live, the way we treat people at the checkout. The way we live is the way we teach others. And most of us here are over a certain age. And we bashed up against life. You know, we've lost loved ones or we've been ill. You know, we've seen good times and bad. We've, we've seen the film. We've read the book. We've got the T-shirt. And now, what do we want to pass on? What is it that we have to teach? I mean, just look at the world. It doesn't learn. Society doesn't learn. Most of the time, it doesn't remember the past, and it is condemned to repeat its mistakes. Just look at the news. Most of the time, it doesn't remember the past, and it's condemned to repeat its mistakes. What can we pass on? That's what we have to offer evolution. And it might be anything. It might be joy, peace, love, freedom, around family relationships, around life and death. The way you live your life can and will make a difference. As you harvest your life, teach what you've learned. I love it when beauty queens are asked, you know, what they want out of life, when they want to contribute stuff. And they always say, world peace. You know, because it's so true, isn't it? You know, you, that's what we do want, you know, to contribute well, I think we all laugh at them, but really, that is the truthful answer. And I think, you know, actually, I do think I've got the answer to world peace, by the way. And I'm going to give it to you now. So if I was a beauty queen and they asked me how, this is what I'd say. Because I do think, you know, world peace will happen. If you watch Star Trek movies, it has happened. It's all about the Klingons. It's not about, you know, the Earth. They're, they've resolved it. And, you know, when we're teaching, you know, the fact is that we teach through our lives. And specifically, I think the area that we need to teach more about more than any other, and this is the area I think that will solve world peace. The area that we need to talk about more than any other, see, I, I'm not actually saying it quite yet. I'm just putting it off to say, Richard mentioned it last week. And the area that will solve world peace is when we decide that we worked out how to deal with our pain. That will do it. The lack of ability to deal with pain is the one thing I think more than any other that contributes to there not being peace in the world. 
When people feel pain, they want to reason for it. They want to blame somebody for it. They want to vent their anger at their pain. And the one thing that is true, that if you do not transform the the pain that you feel in your lives, if you don't transform it, you're destined to project it out somewhere else. And that is what happens all over the world, to inflict pain on others. You feel pain yourself and you blame other people for it. You inflict pain on others so you don't have to feel the pain yourself. Humanity has been doing that for centuries, maiming and killing others to try and get rid of our own pain. I mean, just look at the Middle East. It's a region formed in pain. And until people are able to deal with their pain, and that's where the whole area of forgiveness comes in, but it's really transforming pain inside, looking at our conflicts, looking at our attitudes, looking at our families and relationships, looking at the divisions in our, in our country. It's all about play, pain and blaming others for where we are hurting. The work of the world, the passage to world peace is in teaching how to have pain, how to have pain, how to deal with it in here, how to process it and give out love instead. You know, we talked about it. We are photosynthesis. It is photosynthesis, the process. We take in pain and we give out love. That is the process that humanity is reaching towards. And when it arrives at that point, when it teaches that, that's when world peace will come about. And that is the meaning of the crucifixion. You know, not let's blame the Romans, but Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the meaning of it. It is giving out love when you are having pain inflicted, and we still not learn that 2,000 years later. Love your enemies, turn the other cheek. That's what that's all about. And those two quotes from the Buddha, a good man must suffer until his goodness flowers. That's interesting. A good man must suffer until his goodness flowers. And what hurts you also blesses you. What hurts you blesses you. Darkness is your cradle. Now, when you get that, you no longer fight against it and say it's all about you. You know, you transform it yourself. What a cradle the Middle East is. And that's the lesson the world has to learn before we get world peace. And it it says it in the prayer in the service sheets, to perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. That's what that means, to mirror that self that, that the poem was about. Now, that's the rant over about pain. But that's what I think is a key thing in the world. And I'm going to do a series, I think, on pain next year, looking at that. But it does show us how we teach by our actions, how we can make a difference in this specific area by not passing on our pain or whatever. And by doing what we do, we make our little contribution to the fabric of consciousness, evolving just that little bit. So it is our role to teach. It is your role to use your life as a work of art to teach those around you about what is important and how to live your life. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray for our world and the conflict that's there and the difficulty in dealing with pain and the unwillingness for people to live their lives out in a way that is loving. And we pray for leaders around the world Think of situations in Aleppo and all over the world where there is 
pain and difficulty. And we pray that those leaders may be filled with peace. This time of election, we just pray for our leaders here that their hearts may be sensitive to that nature of peace and transformation. We pray that we may be able to demonstrate that in our lives. We pray for people in difficulty, in prison, hurting, in pain, that you will give them the ability to teach through their conditions. We pray you relieve pain around the world. And we pray for our community here, for those in pain. Pray for those who we particularly know who are ill, for Patricia Hill, for Barbara Orcutt, for Will Welsh, for Maureen Hirsch, for Elise Strickland, Valbrick Karlberg, for Sharice. Pray for Barbara Owen and her family with her father having transitioned. And we also pray for those with projects who are going forward, teaching in their lives, particularly pray for Mac Bailey this week, going to Nashville, ready to start a new project, teaching people how to deal with PTSD and various other ways through songwriting. Pray for him that you'll touch him with your wisdom and power. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.